0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. The last few weeks... By the way, who had a great time with my buddy Torian last week? Everybody have a good time? He did a great job. They had so much fun here. But the, the few weeks before that, we've been talking about a topic that we're calling a great awakening. And you're like, well, what does that mean? Well, it means... That God is coming in right now to this church and churches all over, I believe, the United States and the world, and he is shaking things up. I know so many people that they said, I don't know. Something was just different when 2017 came this year, the new year, just something was different in me. I could tell something was different. And and I'm seeing things all over this country, all over the world, all over churches everywhere where people that have just been, I don't know, complacent and halfway asleep, you know, with God for years, they're waking up. And I'm telling you this, when God wakes his people up, when the church wakes up, Look out world because we've got God on our side and our God cannot be stopped. And so things are happening right now all across this country, all across the world and very much in this church where God is about to do something really, really big. Amen. You know, he promised in the book of Joel, he talked about there's a former rain and a latter rain. Okay, and we know in Israel each year they get a lot of rain earlier in the year to kind of get the ground ready for the crops. And then towards the end of the year, right before the harvest, they usually get this great rain to help them harvest the crops. Well, we've had the former rain, okay, where the word of God came down. But now it's time for the latter rain, a move of the Holy Spirit to come across so Jesus Christ can come down out of heaven and rescue his church and take his people out of here and bring about the, the, the new millennium. It's a great, great time to be alive, and it's a great time to be a Christian. These aren't scary times. These aren't depressing times. This is the most exciting time period in the history of the world, especially if you're a born again on fire Christian. Do I have any Christians in here today that they're they are on fire? They are ready to be used by God in a great big way like nothing they've ever seen before. And so we're talking about a great awakening. And and I call it that because we've had a couple of really big revivals in the in the. In the history of our country, and um, there's been several, but a couple of them are called the Great Awakening and the Second Great Awakening. And then a, a really amazing revival was in 1906. The Azusa Street Revival that started in Los Angeles, California, and a bunch of people got together and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They began speaking in tongues. They began operating in the gifts of the Spirit. And since that time, I just I just checked this this morning, that since that time period, Pentecostal spirit filled Christians, there are nearly 700 million of us in the world. We make up over 25 percent of all Christianity. Uh, that's that's huge. We're the we're we're over the we're the largest group of Christians. And, and we've only we haven't been around that long, only about 100 years. Why is that? Because Jesus said in Acts one eight, when the spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power to witness and Christians that are full of the Holy Spirit, they are bold. They won't shut up about it, man. They witness everywhere they go. And I'm so excited that people in this church are getting it. I mean, you guys are hitting the streets. I know a lot of these young guys, they just go out and, you know, well, they've got nothing to do. They go out and they witness. They pray for people. That And it's amazing to see what God is doing. And so this week we're on part three of our, our little series here called A Great Awakening. And our topic this week is... Compassion, compassion, because of this, you have got to start seeing people the way that Jesus sees them. Jesus didn't go around angry all the time and mad at, you know, all the crazies in the world. Hey, listen, I get it. There's a lot of crazy people in this world. There's a lot of people doing things right now that I don't fully agree with and that I really don't like. They're offensive things, okay, to Christianity, to our country and all this stuff. But if you're going to sit around and get mad at that and try to, you know, try to do something about that, man, you're fighting a losing battle. You're not going to get anywhere. But Jesus was motivated and he operated his life and his ministry through compassion. He wasn't mad at people. He felt sorry for them. When he saw somebody acting crazy and foolish, he didn't get mad. He felt sorry. There's got to be a reason. Why would somebody act that way? Why would somebody say things like that? Why would somebody treat other human beings that way? There is something wrong here. And it's a heart issue. We've got to start. we got to get over this thing where we're just all the time, you know, uh, uh, diagnosing the, the symptoms. And we've got to get to the root of the issue. The problem in this world isn't that, that, that people don't have enough money or that they, they do this and that. The problem is they don't have Jesus and nobody changes until they get Jesus. Oh, they may temporarily make adjustments. They may drop a few bad habits, but nobody changes to be the person they're supposed to be until they have Jesus Christ. As their Lord and Savior, because Jesus can change the most hardened person in the world to be something great. Amen. And so, let's get into this message today. If you need an outline, if you didn't get one, raise your hand and the ushers, they're gonna give you one. But, uh, the first thing we're gonna to say today is this. Number one, is that people are the most important thing in the world. Thank you for the one person. Who, Mark, thank, alright. This guy's got it. We got one in here about, you know, the other 200 of you, whatever, listen people are the most important thing in this world. I there's lots of things in this world that I love. I mean, I love going up into the mountains, love it, you know, seeing the, the beautiful pine trees and the lakes. We've got beautiful scenery and where we live. I love all that stuff. But listen, none of those things are even worth half of what human beings are worth. Not not all all the trees, all the mountains that we have around here They none of those are worth anything compared to what one human life is worth. People are the most important thing in the world. Any person, if you are a human being, you are important and you're more important than anything else in this world. More important than all the money, the biggest buildings, the biggest cities, the most beautiful landscapes. You are more important. I want to show you a verse here. Maybe you haven't heard this one, but it's in John chapter three. So let's look at John chapter three. And uh, in fact, my dad just read this and when he told me he's reading, I'm like, oh, great. That's my opening verse today. (laughs) John chapter three. And we're going to look at verse 16. Who's excited today? Yeah. All right. John chapter three and verse 16. And yeah, this is probably the most familiar verse in all of Christianity, you know, the My daughter, she's four, and she's been walking around quoting this verse all the time. Isn't that great when your kids are quoting the Bible to you? I mean, there's nothing better in this world than hearing your child, you know, quote the Bible. I love that. But John 3, verse 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It says whoever. It doesn't matter Who you are, what you look like, where you have come from or what you have done. Anybody says anybody that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever shall call upon him, they'll they'll be saved. They'll have everlasting life. Isn't that incredible? That that verse right there. I know you've heard it a billion times. So so quit, you know, just focus on this for a second. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. For all these people, a lot of you know people that aren't very nice, he gave his only son. I, I think of it this way. Imagine you're in a courtroom and you're hearing the case of some hardened criminal, a really bad dude. And the judge is getting ready to sentence him. He makes his verdict. We're going to have to sentence this guy to death. He's getting ready to bang down the gavel. And then you stand up and say, whoa, wait, 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 sir, this is my son. He'd like to trade places and take the punishment of this guy. Can he take his punishment instead? And I mean, that would take a lot of guts, wouldn't it? This is your kid and your son here. He wants to volunteer to take the punishment that all that this really bad guy, this guy, if we're going on justice here, this guy deserves what he is getting. He is wrong. He is bad. He deserves what's coming to him. And yet you're going to trade the life of this guy with somebody that's a perfectly clean, holy, innocent person that doesn't deserve this. That's what Jesus did, because i am telling you what, I have done some really stupid, wrong, bad things, and I deserve punishment, man. I deserve justice. I deserve what's coming to me. And if that's the case, I don't stand a very good chance of getting into heaven. And I know I'm not the only one. I mean, I don't know everybody's story here, but I mean, anybody in here, you get I'm not asking you for details, but you have done something wrong in your life that would disqualify you from getting into heaven. I have done things that would disqualify me from getting into heaven yet. God sent his only son into the world and he said, listen, this guy, my son, he's going to he'll take David's punishment for him. You don't have you don't have to pay it now. As long as you accept him, everything's fine. and You can get into heaven. That's what Jesus did. That's a lot of love, because I tell you this, there's nobody in this world that I would I would never give my kids life for somebody else's life. I maybe lay my life down, but I would never send my kid ever any of my children to pay The price for somebody else's wrongdoings, I would not do it. But Jesus volunteered to do it. And God sent his only son to do it. That's love. And that's that is incomprehensible love. Even to this day, I have trouble comprehending how how, Jesus. Why? Because I know so many people that you died for and they hate you. I know people that curse your name, Jesus, that make fun of you, that make fun of your followers. They refuse to even acknowledge that you exist. And yet you chose to die for them anyway. I don't get it. I wouldn't have done that. There's no way I would have done that. But Jesus chose to do it anyway. Why? For God so loved the world. Jesus deals with compassion. Now, why did Jesus trade places and take our punishment? Because people are his number one priority. He, he sees all these people that his dad created. That God the Father, he, he, God created every single person. Every single person. Think about it. Out of seven billion people, how do none of us have matching thumbprints? How? I mean, mathematically, there's gotta be some point in time, if we were just here by accident, there's gotta be some point in time that out of seven billion people, some of us would somewhere have matching thumbprints. Human beings also have uh, uh, unique tongue prints. I don't you know, I don't need you to like take a thumb, but I'm just saying everybody has a different tongue print. How out of all of this, out of out of all these people, if you were not individually made, if you just happened by some accident and a monkey crawled out of the sea and turned into a person and, and we've mutated and morphed out. I mean, isn't there some way along the line here out of thousands of years that somehow mathematically two of us would be totally identical as somewhere. But listen to me. The truth of the matter is this. You aren't just some accident. You aren't just you know, you didn't just appear and morph and and, and becomes. No, God. Think about this. Individually made you and put effort into your life. And, and so I think of it this way, that Jesus looks at people the rest of society calls worthless and he sees them as priceless There's people that everybody else has given up on and say, man, that guy, man, he's a loser. He's not worth nothing. Every time he always messes up. He always goes back to his old way. I don't get this guy, man. They give up on people. But Jesus sees that person that everybody else says he's worthless. Don't waste your time. And Jesus says he's priceless. I I see something there. I I can use this guy. I, I see something there. He sees potential in everybody. Now, I want to show you Psalm 139. we got to turn here. We have got to turn to Psalm 139. So why does Jesus see everybody as as being valuable and and priceless? Because God the Father made every single person. And this is, I I get it. This is not a deep teaching. This is not mind-blowing theology. and, And I mean, we're not really wowing you today. But this is the most basic teachings of Christianity that you have got to get. If you don't understand this, I don't know how you're going to understand anything else about God. Psalm 139. And, uh, of course, King David wrote Psalm 139. We're going to look here at verses 13 through 16. And David says this. He's talking to God. He said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. And so everybody here, man, everybody, God made you and he took his time. You know, Torian said this last week that when you're knitting something, I mean, it it takes some time. It it takes a little bit of time. You're doing this and and only in the mind of of the one doing the knitting can they see the final product. And so God, he was knitting you together because he already had a plan. He had an idea of what he wanted your life to be. And then look at this. Verse 14, he says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. This is why God loves people so much, because he knows that that the father, he, he made people with a plan, with a purpose. And verse 16, he says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day. Had even passed. And think about this. God loves you so much that he planned every day of your life out before you were even born. That's deep right there. But that also brings up this question. Well, if God, if you planned every day out, then why do I have some bad days? Why have some of the things happened to me that have happened if you planned this whole thing out? Well, guess what? God had the way he wanted it to go. God did plan every day of your life out how he willed and desired for it to go. But I don't know about you. I have done some things that have taken me off of God's plan for a day or two. You know what I mean? And some bad things have happened, but that wasn't what God's plan was. God had a whole different plan for that day, but I fouled it up and did something stupid and tried to live it my own way. And then some bad things happened. And so I can't look back and say, God, why did you plan for this to happen? He's saying, no, that wasn't my plan. My plan was over here. My plan was to give you hope and a future to give you prosperity and blessings. But you decided to take the honors into your own hand. And so some bad things happened. It wasn't my plan that happened because you tried to do it your own way. God has good plans for your life. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, John ten ten. Right. God has good plans for your life. And sometimes, yes, bad things have happened in my life. But it's not because it was God planned for me. It's because I, I, I somehow I took matters in my own hands and I made them happen. But check this out. God loved you. He had a plan for you. And every person in this world before a single day of your life had passed. And so, yes, we've done some things that have thrown off that plan a time or two. But I got to say this. Thank God for second chances. Who in here could say that with me? Oh, my gosh. Thank God that you don't give up on us after we screw up one time. Oh, man. Thank you. Jesus it says his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness to us. His mercies are new every morning. He gives us another chance when nobody else would. He gives us another chance when we flat out don't deserve it. He gives us another chance. Why? Because he had this plan for us way before we were ever even born. He had this plan. And so I listen, a guy, I, I know, I know he messed this up, but I've got this plan. I, I need him to do this. I, I've got this great promised land for this guy. And he can still get there if I just give him another chance. He can still get there. He hasn't strayed away too far. He hasn't blown things up too bad. We can still make something happen here. God always sees potential and it's mind blowing beyond what we can understand God always sees potential and so you've got to know that Jesus loves you more than you can ever comprehend the apostle Paul said I pray that you'd be able to comprehend the love of God but in the end he says no one could ever fully understand the love of God I don't get how God loves some of the people that he loves I mean just (laughs) aren't you glad that God didn't put you in charge of things You know, a lot of people are like, well, I would do it this way. Really? If God had put any one of us in charge of things, man, we would have blown this whole thing up years ago. The first time we got mad at somebody, we would have. uh, Listen, I am glad that God is God and I am not. And that you're not. Thank God you're not God. Thank you. God. Thank you. Because, listen, we screw things up all the time, man. We screw things up. But God has never screwed anything up. You know, we just saying who can stop the Lord Almighty? Nobody. And I am so glad that he is full of love. Full of compassion. And he keeps giving us second chances, chance after chance. And he sees potential when nobody else does. He sees us. He looks down here and says, hey, that guy's worth a shot. Let's give him another chance. He, he, I see something there. And everybody else is thinking, there's nothing there, man. He is a loser. He is done for. There, don't even waste your time. And God says, I have to. I've got this planned. I already knew what I wanted him to do before he was even born. I've got this plan. We've got to make this happen. And listen to me, if we're going to see a great awakening, if we're going to see people come to the Lord Jesus, you have got to change your perspective and you've got to have some compassion. You have got to have some compassion. You've got to have it. Number two, we need to treat people how Jesus did. We need to treat people how Jesus did. And I've got some verses here that, you know, there's so many verses that we read. Where Jesus, it says, he was full of compassion. He was moved by compassion. One of these verses right here, uh, Matthew 15, 32. You can throw this up here. I'll just, but this is when Jesus is feeding this multitude of people. Matthew 15, 32. It says, now Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude. Because they have now continued with me three days and I have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry. Or they're going to faint on the way. And so Jesus fed all these thousands of people. Why? Because Jesus said, man, I've got compassion on these people. They've been here listening to me preach for for three days. And and if I send them home and they haven't ate anything, they're going to pass out along the way. I mean, a lot of us were like, listen, they should be grateful. I gave them three days of my time. It's their own fault if they didn't bring any food. They should have been a pre planner They should have thought of that in advance. That's not my problem. I know people that would say things like that. But Jesus is saying, I know, listen, I've been preaching to them for three days they haven't ate anything. I'm concerned they're going to pass out on the way home. Guys, get them some food. And so he tells the disciples, feed all these people. And we know there was over 5,000 men that day. And so Jesus fed probably anywhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20,000 people off of a few loaves of fish. You know that story. But then there's this other story in Luke chapter 7. You can, you can flip there. But, but Jesus comes to town one day and he sees a funeral procession uh, coming down the way. And this little boy had died. This, this lady's son had died. There's weeping, there's crying, and Jesus, He just walks up on the funeral, and look what happens here. Look what happens. Luke chapter 7, verse 13, I think it is. Luke 7. So Jesus walks up on this funeral, and check this out. When the Lord saw her, His, His heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, He said. And then you read the rest of the story. He comes up to the coffin and, you know, raises a little boy from the dead. But what's the first thing that motivated Jesus in this situation? His heart overflowed with compassion. He didn't want to see somebody sad. I mean, a lot of the tragedies we see in this world, I know people that are totally just indifferent about it. Like, well, that's too bad. We we got our own problems over. No compassion at all compassion is totally lacking in our society if you ask me i they're just people are totally uncompassionate like well that's their, they brought that on themselves I, i'm not gonna get involved that, that's their problem they should have made better choices yes they should have made better choices yes they probably could have avoided where they're at but if you don't even feel compassion for somebody that's going through hell on earth what is your problem man What in the world is your problem if your heart doesn't overflow with compassion? And Jesus, he walks up on this and his heart's just bursting. and He said, Mommy, don't cry. Mom, don't cry. I'm going to help you out here. And he steps in and does something about it. But one thing you've got to know about Jesus is this. Jesus loved people enough to tell them the truth. Jesus loved people enough to tell them the truth. And truth is something that is hated in our day and age. You know, let's just get real here. Let's not, you know, say what you want to say. People hate the truth these days unless they, unless it's their version of the truth. And I have learned this by personal experience. The truth will set you free, but it will probably kick you off first. Okay. I have been presented with the truth in my life and it made me mad. I got mad about it. Because sometimes the truth comes in and says, listen, what you're doing is wrong. That's going to hurt you in the end. And at the time, I'm like, man, I don't want to hear that. Who made you, God? Don't judge me. Let me do, you know, all this, all this stuff people throw out there. The truth has really made me angry at many times in my life. But that does not change the fact that it's true because we don't get to decide what's true, do we? If we get to decide what's true, I'm a billionaire right now, man. I'm a billionaire because, hey, that's my own truth. You know, in our day and age, people say, yeah, truth is whatever is true to you, whatever you decide to be true. That is a bunch of baloney! That is, that's a load of it, man! That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard! If we all get to decide what's true, then I'm six foot ten, I play in the NBA, I have a mansion, I'm a billionaire, I have my own jet, you know, I have no problems ever because that's my version of the truth. The truth of the matter is that I'm not a billionaire. Could happen someday, but, you know, I, I don't I gave up on the NBA a long time ago because I figured they didn't they didn't need me. But, you know, let's just get real here. You don't get to decide what's true. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. He decided what's true long before you ever graced the earth with your presence. And you you can either get in line with that or you can say it makes me mad. But it doesn't change the fact that what's true is true. And Jesus is the only way to heaven. And that makes some people mad because Jesus says you're going to have to change what you're doing if you're going to get into the kingdom of God. And some people say, no, I want to hold on to this. I want to keep doing this, but I still want to go to heaven. And he says, no, if you let go of that, I've got something 10 million times better than that. You're holding on to your little thing right here. And Jesus is saying, if you let go of that, man, I can do things oh so much better than that for you. But we're holding on to things. And the truth is, you've got to let go of that if you're going to get into the kingdom of God. And so Jesus. He did not stop telling the truth. Because he thought it was going to hurt people's feelings, he never, ever intentionally told somebody, you know, you're going to have to quit just to make him mad. Because that's not who he was. Although it did make some people mad. But I got to show you John chapter four. Check this out. This story is, it's funny, but it's it's kind of still it's kind of mind boggling because Jesus, he drops a truth bomb on this lady. And and our little sheltered, sensitive, you know, everybody needs a safe space society. You know, we get we get mad about something. We go play with Play-Doh. And personally, I play with a yo-yo when I get mad. But anyway, so here we are. And, and you know, we're we're so used to, you know, everybody's feeling and all this stuff. And th- listen to me. Jesus cared enough about people to tell them the truth, even if it was going to hurt their feelings. It is not compassionate to lie to somebody that's on their way to destruction and lie to them and say, no, it's okay, man. Just, you do your, you do you, I'll do me. We just, you know, we all get along and, you know, smoke the peace pipe. Listen, that, that doesn't help anybody. That's not compassion. That's mean to not tell somebody the truth. And so, John chapter four, John chapter four, starting at verse 16, Jesus is, uh, i have going through Samaria here, and he stops to get a drink of water. He starts talking to this lady. She's fetching him some water up out of the well. And, and so Jesus starts talking to her. And, and look at this. John chapter 4, verse 16, Jesus says, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Here we go. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands, and you're not even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. I'm like, man, Jesus, man, that is not a good way to win friends and influence people. Dear God. And so look at this. She's a very perceptive woman. <laughs> Verse 19, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. She did not deny the fact that any of this was true. She was like, you must be a prophet. How do you know all that? So listen, <laughs> Jesus could have at this point in time. He had he had opportunities all over the place here. He could have said, oh, okay, well, this this ends our discussion today. You don't have a husband. All right. Be blessed. Have a good day. And just walked out. He could have just he could have left that alone. But he went there. He went there. And I know a lot of people, they're afraid to go there. Because they're afraid of what the reaction is going to be. But Jesus didn't care because he saw potential in this woman and the potential was not going to come out unless somebody told her the truth. So can you imagine if in 2017 we were to say that to somebody? I I cannot imagine if I said that to somebody. But, I, you know, I, I keep a list of names that you're called if you tell somebody the truth. Where's my list here? Okay, here's the list of what I'd be called. I I would be an uneducated, hateful, closed minded, old fashioned, no good, intolerant, ignorant, judgmental bigot. That's that's the list of names. Seriously, you know, you call these things if you tell somebody something they don't want to hear. And so this lady could have blown up on who are you? Don't judge me, you uneducated bigot. She could have done all this stuff. Totally could have done that. And that's what would happen probably in our day and age if you told the truth to most people because they just they can't handle it. But Jesus was not doing this to be mean. He was doing this because he had compassion. You've got to get that. It's not mean to tell somebody the truth out of a heart of love. We need more people that aren't afraid to tell the truth. Now, if Jesus would have said, you little, I know you don't have a husband. You've had five year old. You called her a bunch of names. That would have been mean. That would have been wrong. Jesus didn't go that way. Jesus said, I know you don't have one. And and I know the situation you're in right now. That's not right either. But look what happens next. This could have turned out really bad or it could turn out really good. Look at verse 28. Look at verse 28. So after Jesus finishes the discussion, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see Jesus. The truth set her free. The truth set her free, man. And guess what? Not only did it set her free, she went and told everybody about Jesus. It started a chain reaction. And she goes and tells the whole village, you've got to come see this guy. He read my mail. He told me everything. man. He called it out. And so she gets everybody. And the people at that point, the people weren't thinking, I don't want you're weird. And no, it says the people came screaming, the whole village came down and look at verse thirty nine, man. Look at this. Verse thirty nine says this. Many Samaritans from the mill, from the village believed in Jesus. Why? Because the woman had said he told me everything I ever did. The many people, a ton of people came and received Jesus because Jesus told the truth to one woman. What could happen if you received the truth into your life? What would happen? Oh, my gosh, it would change everything. And not only would it change you, it would change other people. Because when you've truly got a comprehension of the truth, you don't keep your mouth shut. You go and tell people, I've got to tell you about Jesus right now. They say, I don't have time that you make time. Listen to me. Jesus healed me. Jesus, I was so depressed and Jesus brought me peace and joy. I was my my kids were going through this and Jesus took care of my kids. I've got to tell you what Jesus did for me. And when you've received the truth, when you've received Jesus, you go and you tell people. And that's what it's all about. Jesus, right before he went into heaven, Mark 16, Matthew 20, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus has called you. Yes, you. To tell other people about him. And you're sitting there. Oh, I'm not a preacher, man. I, I, no one said you got to get up and and, and start a church. And, and No, but Jesus did call you to go tell other people about him. Hasn't he? It's getting quiet in here. Has Jesus called you to tell other people about him? OK, has Jesus ever done anything for you? Just let's be honest. You can, if, it, if you want to say no, that's fine. But if Jesus has done something for you. Boom, right there. You've got something to talk about, right there. You're saying that, well, what would I say? Well, just tell him what he did for you. That's all you gotta do. Tell people what Jesus has done for you, and the truth will set you free, and the truth set this lady free, and, and it changed an entire community, and you've gotta know that love doesn't lie and tell people everything is okay when it's not. That's not compassionate. If somebody's going to hell, let's get real here, okay? Next week, next week's Bring Your Friends Sunday, we're gonna, we're gonna have a nice, A nice, loving sermon, okay? So just don't be afraid to bring your friends next week. But before all your friends come, let's get real for a few minutes here. Love doesn't lie and somebody that's going to hell and say, "Uh, it's okay, man, it's okay. Just, you know, I don't want you to feel But Love tells people the truth, okay? I am related to people that are, if Jesus came, they would go to hell. And am I judging them? Jesus said, you can judge a tree by its fruit. Somebody goes around, you know... Living a very ungodly lifestyle, man, beating people up, swearing, blowing up, being nasty all the time, doing ungodly. They're not. I'm not going to say they're a Christian. I don't care if they've gone to church or not or if they say that they're a Christian. Listen. Actions speak louder than words, OK? And if, if, if you're not living a Christian life, then I got to talk to you. You got to talk. You know what I mean? Let's get real here. Let's get real for five minutes of our lives and quit being afraid of the truth. I am related to people that I don't believe are going to heaven. I have friends that I know are not going to heaven. Absolutely. And so when they come to me and say, I don't I just I don't feel like everything's right. Is it compassionate of me to say I wouldn't worry about it? They probably be okay. Just, hey, you know, see what happens. That's mean, man. How dare you? How shame on you if you lie to somebody that, you know, is headed for destruction and you don't say something. Shame on you. Shame on me. That is the meanest thing in the world, because guess what? Let's let's we're keeping it real for five minutes today. Five minutes. Hell is totally real. I can we can prove that in several ways. Heaven is real. I can definitely prove that not only through the Bible, but through many other accounts. I can prove to you that heaven's real without even. Having to open up the Bible although I would but listen to me these are real places and they are eternal that means they never end is it mean to tell somebody that is not going to heaven but according to the Bible is going to is it mean to speak up and tell them listen I need to talk to you man I'm concerned right now I'm concerned that I, 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 I'm worried man about what's going to happen is that mean? no it's mean to not say anything at all. It's mean to have a bring a friend to church Sunday and, you know, you've got dozens of people that really need Jesus and you don't do anything about it. That is mean. That's uncompassionate. And that is wrong. Am I trying to make people feel? No, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. So, again, after this, we'll go home and play with our Play-Doh and yo-yos and we'll get into our safe space for a few minutes and get a hug and watch Barney and friends. But until that point in time, let's be big boys and girls here for five minutes today. Check this out. Listen to me. We all stand before Jesus Christ someday. Everybody, you can, you know, you can choose to believe that if you want to or not. But again, your version of the truth and and what God says is true. All right. You don't get to make this up. It says in the Bible, every person will stand before Jesus and give an account of their life. What is going to happen when you stand before Jesus and you've got people, you've got friends, you've got people that were in your realm of influence and they did not make it to heaven. And Jesus says, why didn't you? Why didn't you tell them? Why? And you say, well, I didn't know what to do. And he said, man, on March 5th, 2017, your church had to bring it. They even printed out cards for you. So you wouldn't even have to think up of something to say. That's how easy this is. we I mean, I've printed out cards that you can just hand that to somebody. At least if you did that. But Jesus is going to bring that back before I say you had no chance to say anything. You couldn't hand a piece of card card stock to somebody. Wow. I'm afraid of that, to be honest with you. I would be, I, I would be afraid of that. That doesn't mean you're not going to heaven yet, yeah, you're still getting there. But isn't it sad that somebody that you could have saved out of hell isn't there because you didn't want to be mean? You didn't want to hurt their feelings? You didn't want to whatever? Listen to me. Let's get real here. We've got a job to do, and no, nobody in this room is exempt saying, I'm not called. To, it's not my thing. I'm not called. To, it's your thing, and it better be your thing if you care anything about other people. If you have compassion, compassion doesn't lie to people and tell them everything's OK when it's not. I've got people I care about, and everything is not OK. Everything is not OK. They need Jesus, and I'm going to do my part to get them in here. You know, not only this, but any place that they can receive Jesus, okay? And so uh, I don't know what your version of compassion is, but my version is avoiding hell, going to heaven. Number three, okay. Number three is this, okay? So number one, listen, people are the most important thing in the world. Nothing is more important than people, not animals, not trees, not anything else. And the second thing is we need to treat people how Jesus did. And the third thing is, number three, get them on the ark. Get them on the ark. And you're like, man, what does that even mean? That means, man, get them into the place of safety and protection. We've said this so many times. An ark is a place of safety. It's a place of protection for when the storm comes. And that's what that's what Noah did. God said there's a storm coming. Build a great big boat and get everybody onto it that'll listen. And unfortunately, we know that only Noah and his family ended up getting on in the end. But that was not what Noah saw. And that's not what God planned. God wanted people to get on it, but they didn't. And so get people on the ark. Let's turn to Luke chapter 10, verse two. And on the way there, you can write this verse down. Psalm 145, verse eight tells us that God is rich in love and slow to anger. God's compassionate, man. God is not looking to, you know, throw his judgment. I I mean, I've invited so many people to church and I, If I had a dime for every time somebody's told me this, I'd probably have at least three dollars right now. But every time, you know, I tell man, come to church. It's not that. Oh, no, man, you don't know me. If I if I walk through the doors of a church, lightning would strike me as soon as I people tell me that all the time. And I'm like, no, you got a better chance of getting struck out there. This is where God wants you to be. You don't you don't get cleaned up so you can come to church. You come to church so you can get cleaned up. You don't come to church because you've got it all together already. You come to church so you can finally get it together. OK, and so I guarantee you, you are not so unholy and foul that God is going to strike you as soon as you come to church. He's going to say, oh, thank God he's here. Thank God. Luke chapter 10, verse two. And I you know and I, I encourage people to invite, well, all my friends, they're not churchy people. I listen If you've got friends that are church, don't invite them here. They need to go to their church. I don't want anybody from any other church in Barstow deciding to come to this church, you know, unless God absolutely tells them to. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in people that are not going to church anywhere that have terrible, bad lives. That's who I want to come. People that need Jesus and they know it. That's who we want coming to church. And so. I'm not looking for a, Well, maybe we could get some of the first Baptist people to come and join it. Oh, man, no, I don't want that. No, we want people that are down and out and that they need a savior and they are. They they need Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. Get them in here. And the, and the more unchurchy, the better, the more messed up, the better. That's what we're looking for here. We're not looking for perfect people. We've got a perfect savior. He'll deal with that. Just get them in here. So Luke 10, verse two, Jesus says these were his instructions to the disciples. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. So what we have here and what we've always said, we don't have a shortage of sinners. We have a shortage of workers that are willing to go out and, and get, get the harvest in. There's no shortage of harvest. And by harvest, we mean souls. We mean people that need Jesus. There's no shortage of that. Who can agree with me, at least on that point today, that there are no shortage of sinners in this world? There's no shortage. They're everywhere. It's great. They're everywhere. But what we do have a shortage of is people that are willing to do something about it. And so Jesus said the harvest is great. There's just not enough workers to go out there. So pray to the Lord of the harvest and ask him to send more workers out into the fields. And so that's what I'm doing right now. I, I I am praying to the Lord of the Harvest to send more workers that are willing to step out into the fields and say, Hey man, I think you should come to my church with me. I really do. I I I really do. You've been telling me about what you're dealing with with your kids, and I know you, these marriage troubles, and you've been so whatever the case is. Man, just, just come with me to church, man. Just, just just once. Get them in here. The the harvest is great. There's just not enough workers. And so I can't speak for anybody else in this world. Nobody else. But I can stand up and say, Jesus, I'll go. I'll go out there. I, I'll go. I'm, that's fine. You know, you don't, you don't have to pay me nothing. Just, I'll go. I'll go work for you, Jesus. I'll go out and tell people about you. Is anybody else willing to do that? Let's get real here. Are you willing to say, I'll go for you, Jesus? You know, Isaiah chapter 6 Isaiah, the Lord speaking to Isaiah and he said, listen, I need somebody to go for me. And Isaiah says, he stands up and said, here am I, Lord, send me. I'll go. You can trust me. I'll do it. I'll do it. And that's what we're looking for right now. That's what Jesus is looking for. People that have enough compassion, that care more about their fellow man than they do about their own feelings and their own comfort. They can say, I, I can skip football today i can skip basketball i can i can lose a meal i i can miss out on a night out i've got i've i can go talk to some people i I can go do this i'll go jesus i'll I'll go that's what he's looking for and listen to me when you make yourself that available to jesus he will rain down blessing upon blessing upon your life he will rain it in but he's looking for people that will do this and you know in our, in our little church in Indiana growing up, I've told you this, but we got to a place where we genuinely had, we had, we had, I guess what you'd call a revival or an awakening. And, I, and I've told you we had for 63 straight days, we had church every day and nobody was like, man, they're still doing that over there. No, everybody's like, ah, oh, yes, we church. It's Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Yeah, we're going to church. And because of the prayer, because of the compassion I witnessed this myself. This is first a first hand account, okay? I was a kid, but but people will be driving down the street past the church and just pull over their car and come in the doors crying. Uh, oh man, I just felt something right there. What what is this is this a church? This is a church? Can, oh man, and, and people would get saved, people would get healed because there was such compassion and such a presence of God. Whenever we are willing to lay down time and pray for the harvest, pray for people and have compassion, God does something in the atmosphere, and people all over town feel it. An entire city can have the presence of God in it, and people crying and and giving their lives. It's possible. I've I've got other stories that I could tell right now, but when people have the compassion of Jesus for their fellow human beings, and they look and say, man, that's I know they're acting foolish right now. I know they're being crazy and, and, and I know they're being super offensive and saying mean things, but, but I don't see that. I see this guy right here that there's a reason he's doing that. God made him. God wove him together in his mother's womb and, and, and there's a reason he's doing that. He's got a heart problem. He doesn't have Jesus. He's hurting. He's lost. That, that guy's mean right now, but he's gonna go to hell if somebody doesn't rescue this guy. Think about that. Even if there's somebody from your work that you super didn't like and they were mean. If you saw them getting ready to get hit by a bus, you would at least say something like, hey, whoa, hey, what? hey, it's coming. Get out of the Even if you was a person you didn't really like. It's just as real spiritually that, yeah, there's, there's something coming that, that's going to take that person out at some point. You've got to speak up. And I'm not saying being mean. I'm saying with the compassion of God, tell people the truth for the love of God. Tell people the truth. That, listen, I'm concerned about you. I've got to talk to you right now. I'm concerned. And you've got to speak up. Because, as we saw last week, I'm I'm, I'm ending here. uh, The book of Joel. They said thousands upon thousands are waiting in the valley of decision. There's a lot of people I know. They're just trying to make up their minds about this whole God thing. It says thousands are in the valley right now. But it's right there that the day of the Lord arrives. And then it's too late. It's too late. The book of Genesis, the story of Noah, said eventually God closed the door of that ark. Then it was too late. Everybody that was not on that boat, every single person, every living thing, perished because they didn't get into the place of safety and protection. There comes a point in time where enough's enough. The door closes, the decision's been made, and it's all over with, and it's too late. I'm scared for people right now. I'm scared. And if you're not scared for some people, if you have people that that you know they wouldn't make it and that doesn't doesn't keep you up at night, that doesn't do anything to you, I don't know what's wrong. Maybe it's time that you talk to Jesus yourself and say, God, give me that heart. Give me that compassion. Help me see people like you do. God, I've got to get this. God, help me to have your heart. If it doesn't mess you up that people you know would not go to heaven. Something's messed up with you right now and you've got to get that fixed. You've got to come to Jesus yourself and you've got to say, Lord, give me your heart. And you've got to be heartbroken for people that aren't going to heaven. And when you get to that place, I'm telling you, All the ingredients are here right now. It's all over the place, all over this church. People everywhere in this church right now, they they can feel it. People tell me every day, I just feel it. Something's different. Something's changed. Something's about to happen, and it's about to happen if you will stand up and say, I, here am I, Lord, send me. I'm going to pray for the harvest. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be one of those workers, Lord. Send me if you can do that. I want you to stand up today right now and say, Lord, I am one of those people. Here am I. Send me. I've got that heart. I've got that compassion. And so as we're as we're getting here, Josh, come on up as we're getting here. You know, last thing on your hand, now, take God seriously, not just for your own benefit, but for the benefit of others. I want to encourage you so much. This may seem like such a, a little thing, but I've got to encourage you right now. That next week for Bring a Friend Sunday, listen, listen, listen. This was not a cute idea we had. This is not something where, man, we could, well, wouldn't it be cool if we just brought our friends to church for one day and, and listen. This is huge. We are giving you, <laughs> we're helping get, give you a chance to be a witness for Jesus. We're helping you be a worker. We're helping you save the lives of your friends and family because when they come in next week, we're going to tell them all about heaven. We're going to tell them that there is hope, that there is a way, that Jesus has a plan. And so, get this right now. These little cards, these are not just some cute little thing we made up. We've got hundreds of these little cards back there. It says, join us at High Desert Word Center March 5th, Sunday at 10 a.m. It's got a Bible verse on there and it's got, you know, tells them how to get to church. I believe, and I say this with all my heart, that Jesus is calling you, you, you and you and every person in here today. Jesus is calling you to take at least one of these cards and invite somebody. And it is not so we can get a bigger church. It's so we can snatch people out of the kingdom of darkness and get them into the kingdom of God, change their lives forever. These are back there on that info table right where Jesse and Lawrence are right now. Listen, none of my business, but God's calling you to pick up a couple of cards and uh, and invite somebody next week. Just get them in here, and we're going to tell them all about Jesus, and we're going to get them to give their lives to Jesus. Who believes that with me today? The next Sunday. Thank you for listening to this podcast.